This programming is sponsored by Central Market, offering chef-prepared appetizers, mains, and sides for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like quiche, grilled chicken, dips, and salads prepared daily. More at centralmarket.com. Welcome to Party Politics, a podcast to prep you with understandable political chatter for your next cocktail or dinner party. I'm Jay Iyer, political science professor from Texas Southern University. And I'm Brandon Roddinghouse, a political science professor from the University of Houston. Every week, Jay and I get together to hang out and talk about politics, everyone's favorite subject. So listen in, and by the end of it, we hope you'll sound like a current events genius. Well, Jay, there's a lot of things that are on the agenda for the week, as it seems like there are every week. Uh, What are some of the things that struck you that were non-Comey related? (laughs) Let's preface it with that, right? (laughs) Well, I think we started the week with the aftermath of the attacks in Manchester and then subsequent attacks in London with kind of a war of words that has erupted between the president and London Mayor Sadiq Khan. And it's now sort of escalated to the point where there's a potential state visit for the president that could be in jeopardy. Yeah, everyone, you know, in politics in government has encouraged the president to stop tweeting. The only people who don't want him to stop tweeting are comedians and us podcasters because it always gives us something to talk about. But I think this is an example of how tweeting in this context can produce negative results for the country and for the administration because you don't want to be embarrassed by this 140 word, you know, 140 character approach that may not be consistent with the way that you want to handle your policy and is inconsistent with the way you've treated these things in the past. It made the president look bad. He clearly had taken something out of context and I think misunderstood a statement that Mayor Khan had made and it created a diplomatic row. He's been sort of condemned on by liberals and conservatives in the United Kingdom as being unsupportive. Moving on to something I haven't had a chance to talk about in a while is sort of some substantive legislative movement. And that is the president really trying to pivot, get away from all this other conversation. He is pushing a massive infrastructure bill, which was one of his core campaign promises. I don't know if you knew this, Jay, but it is infrastructure week, according to the White House. Nothing to do about James Comey. Don't look over here, right? It's infrastructure week. The president is trying to roll out some kind of plan. The problem is the plan doesn't really exist. It's just a kind of bare bones set of ideas. Two things to note here. Number one, if the infrastructure plan goes off as outlined, it could be a problem for the deficit, and that could create problems down the road for the economy. And number two, if he wants to pass this, he's going to need Democrats, and there's been not much effort to reach out. So this is going to be, I think, the biggest challenge he's going to face, even though in theory this could be something which would receive bipartisan support. I think in a vacuum it probably could receive some level of support, and it's also the nature of what he wants to do, right? I mean, he wants to do a an infrastructure bill that's less about direct expenditure and more about creating incentives for private entities to invest. The other thing is that we now have a new FBI director. In the aftermath of the firing of James Comey, the president has named Christopher Wray as the new FBI director. He is a prominent attorney, currently a criminal defense lawyer, but a former government official in the Justice Department. Yeah, this is something that caught, I think, a lot of people by surprise. I mean, number one, it came during a week where you have the former FBI director who is giving testimony about interactions with the president that are going to make the president not look good. And number two, it was the case that neither Republicans nor Democrats were informed about this. This is something the president tweeted and then essentially tried to back up and 
build support for. So again, this I think underscores the inability of the Trump administration to kind of get ahead of the story and to be able to lay the groundwork and a solid foundation for developing staff. This is, I think, something that has to be fixed. I mean, this is them shooting themselves in the foot every week. Yeah, and one of the more interesting little side notes, Christopher Ray was the attorney that represented Governor Chris Christie in the Bridgegate scandal. So there is a tangential connection to uh, President Trump. He likes people from Jersey and, and from New York. This is somebody who's a hard hitter, and if he can deal with Chris Christie, he can deal with Donald Trump, right? Right, right. And apparently he's also soured a bit on Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who has it's been reported that the Attorney General has offered his resignation. This is interesting, yeah, because the Sessions was one of the earliest supporters of the president, and that was, frankly, one of the people the president bragged about having on his side during the campaign. This would be a remarkable turn of events, especially considering that all of the fracas around the investigation with Russia. Well, shifting gears a little bit, we don't talk about foreign policy as much as we probably should, but ISIS has now shifted and has had its first major terrorist attack against Iran. This sort of Sunni versus Shia violence has escalated. It is a massive attack for Iran, sort of the equivalent of their 9-11. This is a tragedy, and it's sadly something that's likely to continue. I would say that from a domestic point of view, from a foreign policy point of view, it gives credibility to the Trump administration's push to get more resources behind the efforts for counterterrorism. And so that's one, I think, major implication to this. But it also could be that it complicates the ability of the White House to pull out of the Iran agreements. And so there is, I think, a connection there that in terms of the complete sort of geopolitical chessboard we see, it could create some issues there. And it may be that this causes there to be a closer relationship rather than one that's more frayed. Exactly. Yeah. The complexity of Middle Eastern relationships and the dynamic of sort of sectarian violence between Shias and Sunnis is something that really isn't talked about enough. And it's one of the reasons why ISIS exists. Well, our last before we take our deep dive in, into what's going on in the Comey hearings is really a very much tongue-in-cheek notion that's been floating around, and that's that the president and his health regiment has been affected by becoming president. And it's not gone unnoticed that the president has put on a little weight because of the stress of this job. And we've seen this in the past, in all seriousness, this is a job that physically transforms presidents. And Bill Clinton's a great example of that, right? We saw him jogging as much, you know, as uh, it, we saw him governing in the first couple of years of his presidency. I myself was definitely a victim of the freshman 15. I blame Thursday Pizza Day at Purdue. It was my guilty pleasure, right? What better way to end your week than with well, pizza? Well, yeah, in the White House, we know about meatloaf Mondays. So, yes. so yes, obviously, there's some things going on there. But yeah, I mean, in fairness to him, I mean, the president's got a, a stressful job. It'll age him. He, he certainly uh, is under the gun. There's a lot of pressure going on right now. So I think we can probably excuse him for getting a little, uh, little big in the middle. If, if Barack Obama can quit smoking during his time in, in the White House, then the president can lay off the Doritos, right? Indeed. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we really want to talk about the Comey hearings and all aspects of it, what's being said, what's not being said. Well, so Jay, before the break, we 
ran down a couple of the big issues of the week, but there's none bigger than the investigation into the president and whether or not the president had some role in firing James Comey that may border on obstruction of justice. The Senate is investigating this issue, and so the, the hearings with James Comey that occurred yesterday have outlined a couple of things that are important. Let me start with two. The first is that the reporting about the relations and the interactions between Comey and Trump tended to be correct, that Comey's notes and Comey's testimony affirmed that the president asked him to work around the investigation. And the second is that there is no specific investigation of Donald Trump the person with respect to the FBI and the interactions between Russia and the election. So what do you make of this? Is this more or less what we thought would happen or is this a surprise? I think this sort of confirms what we already know. One of the things I thought was interesting is that, well, two things. Comey had released his opening statement publicly a couple of days before to lay out what he was going to be talking about. And that gave people an opportunity to react to that. And it reinforced, as you said, that the reporting had been largely accurate as it relates to when he knew things and how it was, how the information was conveyed and the president's involvement. The second part of it, to me, was this notion that the president himself engaged actively to try to dissuade James Comey from dealing with the Michael Flynn investigation. Because that's really what we're talking about at its core, right? When we talk obstruction of justice, we're not saying that there was actual justice obstructed because we know the investigation continues. We've got an, a Senate investigation committee going on right now. We have a special counsel in the form of Robert Mueller, the former FBI director, going on right now. So we know that there's nothing being obstructed in an actual sense. But the way the law is written is whether an individual intends or endeavors to impede. That is the actual term in the statute, endeavoring to impede. So the question is, did what the president do, was that enough to rise to the level of endeavoring to impede an investigation? I think that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, is a non-political person. And we know ignorance is not a defense in the law. But this is the way he operates from a business perspective. We talk about sort of understanding the psychology of President Trump. He's a deal maker. He's a negotiator. He thinks everything's negotiable. So from my perspective, it reinforces what we already knew about him, which is he thinks you can make a deal about everything and he's going to talk about it in a roundabout way, hoping for an outcome that is favorable to him. This it would be a really terrible chapter in the art of the deal, right? Yes. <laughs> how, to, yes. How, to, how, to, how to quell an investigation. Exactly. Unfortunately, he doesn't have his ghostwriter this time. <laughs> right. That was, I think, exactly right. And the questions are still pertinent. And the question about impeachment is still viable. And we'll find out how the committee feels about this as the weeks go on. But the other part of this was that Comey seemed to be very distrustful of the president and also slightly unnerved by the president's behavior. So he implied that the president defamed him and the FBI after the fact. He also suggested that he kept a good written record of the events because he feared the president would essentially lie and say that what happened didn't happen. So that was, I think, um, a real indictment of the president as a person, not just as the office. The other thing, too, is that he was asked about whether or not he felt like if he agreed to back off the investigation, that he could have kept his job, that there was a quid pro quo. And he said he felt like that was what the president was implying. So again, to your point about 
whether or not this is obstruction of justice, the question of motivation here is a big factor. And it seems like Comey has implied that he does not trust the president, believes that he was trying to do exactly that. Now, the legal standard here is a little bit different because it's not sort of how Comey felt, right? I think I absolutely agree. I mean, that from the perspective of James Comey, how he perceived of the interaction is important. But the legal standard is whether or not it actually occurred, right? Whether the, whether the attempt to impede actually occurred. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the vehicle to deal with the president is not a criminal matter in a classic sense. There's a, only one way to deal with a president who's in office, and that's through an, a formalized impeachment process. Now, as a practical matter, impeachment processes are entirely political. And we can, we can talk through some of the, the rationale behind that, but it really comes down to whether or not they think what he did is an impeachable offense. And I think until you start getting Republicans that feel as uncomfortable about what the president has done as Democrats do, you're not, you're not going to see much movement. Yeah, polarization is a huge factor in this. And we had one question from a senator that asked whether or not we should believe James Comey or whether or not we should believe the president, right? Because there are some conflicting accounts. So this is really part of the legal system hitting the political system. And we've got these groups that are spending money on ads to try to discourage people from turning away from Donald Trump and trying to remove the credibility of James Comey. And so this has been something that is swarming around this like mosquitoes on the bayou, right? Which is not unsurprising given the polarization that we've got, but is something that is unique to how these investigatory bodies kind of go about their business. You reference this, right? You're actually having ads run by pro-Trump PACs that are essentially attacking and really like a campaign-style attack ad against James Comey to undermine his credibility. Because at the end of the day, it is exactly that. It's a he said, she said, or in this case, a he said, he said. But it really comes down to whether or not you believe one or the other. And I tend to think that nothing in this hearing is going to change the underlying assumptions that people have about the president and what his actions are. If your inclination was to believe that the president attempted to impede this investigation, everything James Comey said reinforces that. If your inclination was to not believe the president, everything Comey said can support that as well. That's right. You know, I think that part of the problem for the president is that he's losing control of the narrative quickly. During Iran-Contra, when questions were asked internally of the Reagan administration, whether the president knew what he knew and the reasons he knew it, and asked questions about whether or not he did what he did for the good of the country, those numbers came out positive for Reagan. They are negative for Trump. Polling this week suggested that 56% of the American people say that Trump interfered with the investigations rather than cooperating, and 61% say that Trump fired Comey to protect himself rather than for the good of the country. So these are numbers that are worse than Iran-Contra and almost are trust numbers or almost as low as they were during like the year of Watergate. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's answer the question why these hearings matter. So, Jay, there's lots to unpack here about what has happened during these hearings. What is your takeaway from this week? 
I think just just reinforces those underlying feelings that people have had about this entire investigation. If you were inclined to believe the president, it reinforces that. If you're inclined not to believe the president, it reinforces that. We are in for a long and arduous investigative process. We'll see where it leads. I think you're exactly right. These things take two to three years when it's somebody who's not the president. When it is the president, it can take even longer. It's going to be partisan. It's going to be ugly. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But the slow dripping is really causing a lot of paralysis in the White House. Like we said during our kind of first phase of the pod, the president was supposed to talk about infrastructure this week. Guess what he had to talk about, right? It's all about Comey. So that's, I think, really driving the narrative. That's knocking the White House off course. And that means governing's not happening. Well, we'll be back next week with more party politics. If you like this political chatter, make sure to check out our Texas-centric episodes too. They're available every Friday afternoon, just like these episodes. As always, thanks to Houston Public Media, our producers, Daisha Clay, Laura Lucas, Edel Howland, and thanks to our engineer, Todd Haltzlander. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or from wherever you get your podcast, and don't forget to leave us a review. That's how other people will find the show. Follow us on Twitter with the hashtag PartyPoliticsPod, and you can email us at PartyPoliticsPod at HoustonPublicMedia.org. I'm Jay Iyer. And I'm Brandon Roddinghouse. We'll see you next week.